Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here, hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And we are wrapping up the month of April here with a doozy. This is episodes three and four of Hot House Bruiser, a Hot House Bruiser we heard last week from Joel Metzger, penned by Joel Metzger, and uh, recorded with an excellent cast. Uh, Joel is the TV writer from Xena, Warrior Princess, uh, Stephen King's The Dead Zone, and others. Um, decided that he wanted to make a longer-form project, um, realize it uh, however his creative mind desired, and uh, took what was originally a teleplay, an award-winning teleplay, um, Hot House Bruiser, and turned it into this uh, nine-part audio drama um, that's available as an iTunes app, as well as an Android app. Um, you can also buy CDs on the website, Hothouse Bruiser. Um, but we also have the first four episodes, uh, two last week and two more this week, so that you can get um, sucked into this world. Uh, it is one of the uh, better written radio dramas I've heard in uh, quite a while. Uh, it's, uh, you know, really, really f- fine production um, and very complex, new, original world, um, sharp um, it's got some, definitely got some uh, noir detective stereotypes, but also has a bunch of fresh stuff here as well. Hope you'll enjoy episodes three and four of that, um, followed by an exclusive interview with Joel Metzger himself. It's a great time. Um, enjoy this uh, extended hour and a half edition of Radio Drama Revival today. Uh, before we get into all this, a uh, quick reminder, uh, we do have our uh, War of the World 75 anniversary contest. Uh, it's coming to a close. However, we have extended the deadline till June 1st. Um, so if you were looking at the May deadline and seemed like that would be too much for you, um, we've got one more month coming up. Uh, you get your opportunity to make your 15-minute War of the Worlds-esque inspired presentation. Go to waroftheworlds75.com for that. Um, also, should mention, we are doing something pretty cool at Convergence Con 2013. We are having what's called the Mark Time Audio Broadcast Center. It's going to be a party-themed party room. If you've been to different cons, you'll know uh, what the party room scene is all about. We are going to have one that's audio-focused, uh, what we have, the five minutes of fame. You'll be able to walk in, um, pick an audio script written by uh, one of a number of groups, um, myself, uh, Oral Stage Studios, Icebox Radio Theater, Our Fair City, and possibly others will be contributing. Um, you'll be able to work with one of us to record your piece with your friends um, and go home with a finished piece of audio, uh, a very cool, fun, laid-back, immersive audio experience. That'll be at ConvergenceCon 2013, convergence-con.org, um, or follow the Facebook links and whatnot at RadioDramaRevival.com to uh, see what we're up to. Uh, there's a link um, on our website for all this stuff, and you'll be hearing more of it. It's a pretty exciting new concept we're doing, trying to bring this live, uh, you know, interactive, experienced audio to people who may never have had the opportunity to experience it yet. Um, in the con atmosphere. Um, all right, <laughs> that's enough for all the PSAs for today. We're going to get into the show, Hot House Bruiser, Episode 3. Uh, it has a pretty good recap at the beginning. Basically, a hot uh, bruiser is your tough thug, your tough as nails, um, ex-cop turned to private eye, um, sort of getting pushed come to shove here in the place called the Hot House, a dystopian world, um, a la uh, Blade Runner um, with a glass wall. Um, episode 3. back again yeah the hot house gets under your skin last time bruiser was in it up to his neck i never showed you my scars yeah you talk the talk but guess what's cheap bring in the shooter and it's all yours like you say 
I'm a street-level guy. Otherwise, you're fired. I'm not gonna hit you, Vera. What? You think I can't take a punch? Been punched more than you, tough guy. I'd seriously hit that if she had a pulse. <laughs> I get the shooter. I get level nine. I get us out. What's the max sentence for killing a clone? You know there's no law yet. Then why don't you grab a bear claw? You ready? This is chapter three. Heist into hell. So I cleared my name for murder, took a 10 minute break, and now a $3,000 phone was snuggled into my ear canal with some pretty bad news. Just tell me what this is all about. I have Vera here, and she's connected to the machine that's really just state of the art. Now the settings go all the way to 100. Would you like to hear what it sounds like on a five? The point is made. You're talking about a heist. Sager Tech Containment Facility. That's the joint. You know the company's listening in right now. Actually, no, I paid a lot of money for that little red phone you got stuck in your ear. This is fully encrypted. Yeah, it's fully something. Walk out to the street. There's a van. I need to call my daughter back. Let's see what noises Vera makes when she's dialed to a six. I guess the machine keeps going up the scale if I don't play ball. I'm afraid so. Okay, okay. Put me in. There was a white van on the street. Engine running, no windows. The door slid open, but I couldn't quite see who was inside. I looked up the street and down. No one in any particular hurry to crack me on the back of the head. So, I got in the van. I want you to meet Muzzy Palermo. Fucking child. Who's the kid? Is he shaving yet? No, it will be Spider! We'll be handling tech issues. Somebody want to tell me what's the plan? You three are going inside the main containment facility of Sager Tech. I will guide you via your little red phones at critical junctures. You will go to the containment level, open the main vault, and steal the Oh, ejection. piece of cake. The main containment level is 20 stories straight down, and the elevators are airtight. I will guide you through it. I mean many. Heavily armed guards who make it a point to know everyone in the facility on a personal I level. I will guide you through it. Say we make it down, those 20 stories. The containment level is patrolled by swarm technology. I can't hack swarm technology. What the hell's that mean? Swarm technology is like tiny camera bots. They use anti-grav to fly around. They don't mind flying through your head if you don't have clearance. I will guide you. Nobody said anything about swarm technology. I can't hack that and kind of... the main containment vault is in the center of a big clean room. They got thermocoils mounted on top of the vault. Turns the whole clean room into a microwave. That's why the lab coats call it the microwave. And we shut it off. No shut off. It's on a timer. Bruiser, I want you to listen carefully. Out of a hundred, this is a seven. I knew this. This guy, this voice, whoever he was, was going to kill Vera regardless. My only shot was go along with the heist, keep him talking in my ear, see if he dropped something. Of course, this whole job was most likely a one-way trip, and tomorrow I'll be telling Vera all about it over harp music. All right. 
Whatever it is, let's steal this thing and go home. So we plowed through the quarantine. Muzzy driving and I fucking me in the mirror the whole time. I kept on being Mr. Chatty to see if I could get the voice in my ear to spill something. You know, I wouldn't mind knowing what we're stealing. Professional curiosity. You'll know it when you see it. You're almost at the delivery gate. You're probably sitting on the big crate that says Trojan Plumbing Supply. You and Spider get in. And Muzzy is the delivery boy. Don't overthink it. Just get in. Dude, move your labels. You're a lot better if you're a Playmate of the Month. This is beyond recognition, man. Nobody ever said they had sworn technology or whatever else waiting for us. Attention to the choir, kid. Hey, make like plumbing supplies and shut the fuck up. Inside that box, I couldn't scratch my nose, let alone do anything about the overall situation. Meanwhile, the kid reminded me of somebody, but I couldn't place him. Finally, Muzzy parked the crate and started working a guard. Let me see your packing list. Knock yourself out. Open your crate, please. Crowbar's in the van. Then get it. Just let me get the fucking thing in the dock before my back goes out. You're not on the manifest. Wait right here. You want me to get my crowbar or not? Davey? I got a hinky delivery, Doc 14. No offense, pal. None taken. Oh, here's my crowbar. I want out of this box, man. Let him do his job. Got a call. Where's Briggs? Maybe you can help me. Did he let you in here without a pass? Just go, kid. Come on. The voice knew every left and right before we got there. He was definitely tracking us on GPS from our phones, but I could tell he'd never been inside the place. He was reading off a schematic or something. You should see a door called Maintenance Access. Take that, make a right down the corridor, follow the signs that say main conduit. Let's go. Yeah, he was safe somewhere, all right. We were just dots on a screen running through a maze. I couldn't figure out how much these other guys knew about our boss. Plus, I was still trying to place the kid. Hey, kid, you get a look at our commander-in-chief, or are you as blind as me? Bruiser. I'm right in your ear. I can hear everything. Then just tell me where you want me to go. You're already there. You should see an armored door up ahead that says Conduit Access. There's a camera over the door. Spider will fuzz the camera with an EMP. Camera's blind. Bruiser, the door has a lock with a level 3 clearance. Use your ID. I swipe my card on this door and it'll be on my permanent record. Well, not sure if Vera cares about your permanent record right now. Look, there's gotta be another way into this. Did I mention the higher levels on this machine cause convulsions that will break her ribs? 
Yeah, you're the brains. This room was like a cathedral of water pipes. Must have come from every corner of the world and went down a Grand Canyon or something in the floor. Didn't take a genius to figure out how we were skipping the elevators. Spider, we got the zip lines and make sure everyone has their harness on properly. Twenty stories straight down. There's not enough cable in the world. Actually, there is. You're using high-tension monofilament. You have over two miles of wire in your rig. Wire's molecular bonded, so you can basically hang a truck off it. Only don't grab the wire once it's tight, so then you can kiss your fingers goodbye. This gets better and better. Let's go. Okay, everybody's suited up. Let's go. So I find myself hanging over a 40-story drop by something thinner than a human hair. We all just kept dropping down in the dark. Just spiders on our strings. Occurred to me I was playing basketball with Riley less than an hour before. Did you guys hear something? What? Are they working in the main conduit? Nobody I still wanted to know who I had on the phone calling the shot, so I kept trying to trip him up. Hey, excuse me, Mr. Mastermind. What happens if they find our rig upstairs and decide to pull out the scissors? They won't. You guys know what'll happen if we get caught, right? Sagertech will lock us up in the executive suite. Quiet, please, till you reach the bottom. I'm not sure this shaft has a bottom. I think it goes to Beijing. Or maybe it goes to Vera's bar, huh, boss? Is that where I know your voice? Quiet, please. Maybe the shaft goes to Sky Barrio. I put you in there, boss man? <laughs> or maybe Why the shaft goes shut to... The fuck up? Just talking about shaft. When the kid snapped his ankle on that beam, he cried out, and I finally placed him. See, before the walls, I arrested this kid's dad right in the family kitchen. The kid was maybe eight. He didn't cry. He didn't run over and beat me with his little fist or any of that. The old man was a piece of shit, and the kid probably knew it didn't make me feel any better. Tell me what's going on, Bruiser. The kid caught his foot in a girder. I don't know if he's out of the game, but it's not good. I say abort. You'll keep going. With no tech support. What are you gonna talk me through an alarm system or something? The man said keep going. So it was just me and Muzzy and the ground floor coming up. It was a white floor, empty. Just a big circle of light getting bigger. Then about 20 feet to go, this guard walks under us. He had a card table under his arm. He started setting up shop. Me and Muzzy hit the brakes on our rigs. You in a what? Then another three guards. Poker chips, cigars, the works. Right in our LZ. Me and Muzzy hung right above him like a couple of big and tall pinatas. So you went on what, huh? That's what your wife always says. Now your mom asked me that. Old girl can't feel a thing anymore. Somebody back me up on that, huh? Tell me about that time on the tower. Ah, they had it already. It's a good story. If these guys would bother to look up, they'd see us hanging right over them. So, I get the call. There's a guy on the north antenna tower. Built him... <laughs>
You guys aren't ready for this. What? No. I know nothing, nothing can prepare you. Then just for laughs, the kid comes sliding down next to us. His ankle had a bone sticking out. He has built a jetpack. <laughs> what he thinks is, like the cartoon coyote or something. Like he's ready to rock it out over the wall. I couldn't do anything but hang there. The kid's leg was really soaked in blood now. He was trying to keep it from dripping down on that game. So nobody will go up that tower and get him down, right? Bruiser. So fuck it. I'll go. Big talker, right? I'll go. Bruiser, I need an update. I mean, the amount of shit I'm gonna take if I bitch out now. Oh, it's unlivable. Unlivable! Now a so big drop of blood was hanging off the kid's shoe, I mean, just I waiting to let go and land on somebody's cards. I get up the tower. And this guy's full on committable. Bruiser. Nutjob. I need an update. And he's had enough of the box, man. He wants out of the hothouse. Bruiser. So I'm looking at this guy's apparatus, which is just basically a fuse attached to a tank of which I'm realizing says gasoline. Do I need and to take Bruiser's dial up a notch? Finally, that drop of blood said Geronimo and jumped. I watched it fall onto that white tabletop with a big red plop. And he's got his Zippo and he's sparking it. What, you gonna rat us out now? Probably jerking each other off over there. Before I could tell if the coast was clear, that little wire started making a funny sound. Bruiser. Yeah, I'm not always at liberty to chat during this job, as you can imagine. I see you're now on the main containment level. You need to head north. The kid is in pain. We have to carry him. Coming up on your left is a security door, plated steel with an explosive bolt. I see it. The swarm technology patrols the other side of the door. I told you, you can't hack swarm technology. You won't have to. Swarm technology tracks by heat signature. And your gear is a thermal transmitter set to room temperature. Bruiser and Spider will carry it with you, and you'll be invisible to the swarm for about 45 seconds. The kid can't walk. Improvise. Either you improvise, or I do. And you won't like my view. Fucking done, man. Look at me. What do they got, Bruiser? What's in the executive suite? Do they... I'm gonna fix you up, but you gotta focus. Where's your duct tape? Duct tape? You go on a major heist without a roll of duct tape. It's in the black toolcase. Ah, what are you doing? What the fuck is this? A three-legged race? Yep, that's exactly what it is. Kid, you keep your weight on your good foot. I'm your other leg. Hold on to me. Once you're in the hall, you'll see a red door at the far end. You have 45 seconds once you turn on your thermal transmitters. It's 200 feet. So don't stop for coffee. The transmitter will beep before it runs out of juice. You kids have a nice look. All right. Turn them on. Go! I can see the swarm. Yeah, way to Jinx. God, they're fast. All right, they're fast. But they can't see us. 
Just keep moving. If they can't see us, what's gonna stop them from blasting right through us? Hey, do I look like the brains here? This one right in front of me. Keep moving. It sees me. Almost there. It sees me. If you don't frost up right now, we're dead. Five seconds. Move. They see us. Get under that door. We're in. This is a valve control room. There's a terminal in there with access to the emergency grid. Spider, I want you to turn on the sprinkler system for the entire floor. You're going to short out the whole swarm. Access denied. Access override. You're good. I avoided the Los Angeles school system. Entirely. Had to earn. Those skills you should work for Sagertech. Get benefits. Hey, well, that road wasn't on the map. Fire suppression. Test. Okay, it's going to rain in the hallways. It's working. Shorten out the swarm. Kid, you're pretty smart. You think the binary's real? Fuck no, there's no disease. Binary disease? Then why'd they put up the walls? They got us in here for laughs is all. Because they could do what they want. Keep it to shop talk. Hey, we get out of this in one piece. I can help you out. Whatever barrel you're over, I got enough pull to fix most things. I don't want any help, man. I'm just saying I can fix things, depending upon what it is. It's probably time you caught a break. Bruiser, do you need a reminder of Vera's situation? Let's just pull this gig off. The swarm is down. We're free to move about the cabin. Bruiser, this is for your ears only. You're at a critical juncture. Only two members of the team are going to continue on. I'll just see myself out. No, you're going to kill Spider. That's not on the menu. It's necessary to eliminate the kid, Bruiser. It is a long, hard trip for Vera up this dial. Don't make me leave her in agony while I go out for a latte. All I had to do was pick which nightmare I wanted to throw me out of bed every night. Vera's screams or the feel of this kid's throat under my hands. Bruiser, what's wrong, man? Hey, Bruiser? I was on the fence, but I still kept moving toward the kid. Then I guess I wasn't smiling. Between this kid and Vera? Well... Now what you've been hearing is just the iTunes preview of Hot House Bruiser. You can hear the entire series, commercial-free, with the Hot House Bruiser app. Get it on iTunes or the Android platform. Bruiser? Bruiser? Stop fucking around, man. Turns out I didn't have to do anything. Muzzy came up behind him and... He put him down on the floor. Gently, of all things. What was I gonna do? Blow my top? We just stood there looking at each other. And how'd that feel, Muzzy? Like I told you, I got my orders. <coughs> A fire now? The sprinklers must have set off the Halon system. I hope you can hold your breath. Swipe your card. Insufficient clearance. Override. This door ain't going anywhere. Help me lift it. You can't lift a containment door like a second. Keep clear the containment door. Go under. You got it? I got it. Go under. You sure? I got it. No offense. Fucking go 
Thunder Man! I got out, saw Muzzy was losing his grip on the door. It would have been easy to let him just get sealed up in there. Gas would have killed him, problem solved. Or maybe I needed this psycho to get out of here alive. So I ripped a fire extinguisher off the wall and I propped it under the door. Please see your employee handbook for a complete list of safety You're good. Slide under. I don't suppose you know a good chiropractor. Your GPS says you haven't moved from the control room. Yeah, we don't even get an hour for lunch. Where do we go from here? Follow the signs and say north containment. Why don't you just tell me what we're stealing? What you're stealing? Is the Black Rose. And that is? It's the key to the hothouse. The key how? The key out. Out like escaping. It could be a little more concrete. Just follow the signs. Next stop is the microwave. We keep going deeper in. The air was getting hotter. The walls and the floors were hot. The hell were they keeping down here? You hear someone? Get back. What set these goddamn sprinklers off? I want to know where's security. The whole floor is blind and they're running around topside. God damn it. She's unstable again. Try open her levels with the AC. I peeked through a lab window. They had some girl floating in a tank of water. Her eyes were solid black. Figured she was blind. Anytime she touched the walls of her fish tank, they'd zap her. She'd grab her head like it was splitting open. The door had a plaque. Matter, transference, something, something, number 10, D. Curtis. D. Deb, Debbie, Danielle. Heading the game. Let's go. What are they doing to her? Not our problem. Move. Okay, we're looking at the main containment room. Tell me what you see. Like I said before we started, it's a clean room big enough to play full court. Glass walls all around. The containment vault's in the middle, maybe a hundred feet. Vault's got a big, scary, glowing thermocoil on top. The whole thing's a big glass microwave. You see a command box on the wall? There's no card swipe, no touchpad, just a little microphone? Yeah. That's how you're shutting off the coils. Sager has a verbal command that overrides everything in every system. It's a phrase that has special meaning to him. I don't know what you're talking about. You're close to Sager. You're his go-to guy. You know this phrase. Just say the password into the mic. The computer will turn off the coils. You got the wrong guy. Sager doesn't tell you me the password. You you've been exposed to the password. Maybe Vera will help jog your memory. Look, I don't know it. This is a 50 setting. You base this whole job on something you think I know? Well, I don't you know. You do know it. Even if you don't know, you know it, so think. You better shit a password, pal. Well, I'll pull that out of your ass myself. Yes, it's your magic crowbar. I get the point. If I don't know... Level 50 coming up. Then I'm going in there. Fuck! Give me the muzzy. Let go of You're me, cook, I said. Yeah. You listen to me, jackass. He's got my kid. 
He's got my kid, and I will kill you to get him back. You'll kill your kid no matter what. Then you find this asshole. I'll get him what he wants. You track him down. You hear me? You pay him back for this. Ozzy. Muzzy got halfway to the vault before his skin started to bubble up, but he kept going. Then his skin fell off in sheets, but he kept going. The phone and Muzzy are slightly melted. Leave him then. Set up the drill. It has a tripod. Should take 20 minutes to bust the lock. Then I saw my way out. The voice couldn't track Muzzy's little red phone on GPS. All I had to do was switch phones, keep the boss talking while I got the fuck out of Dodge. As far as he could tell, I was staying put with the drill. It might take longer than I thought. <laughs> you sound out of breath. Long day. You want to tell me what this black rose looks like? You'll know it when you see it. How am I supposed to get it to you? There's a coolant reservoir just north of where you are. <laughs> You're going for a swim, Bruiser. The current will pull you under and maybe two minutes you'll be outside the complex in the main reservoir building. You don't even know what we're actually stealing, do you? It's the key out, I said. That's all you need to know. Put Vera on. You're not in the position. I'm ten minutes away from grabbing your heart's desire. Now, if you don't want me to crush this black rose, whatever it is under my shoe, put her on. I want you to cut in. Huh. This guy's a terrible dancer. I'll do what I can, girl. Alright, here goes. My phone back at the drill would keep the voice waiting for maybe 20 minutes. That meant I had two minutes not to drown and 18 minutes to find Vera. But I knew where to look. I want you to cut him. This guy's a terrible dancer. She was talking about the only time we ever danced. Mind if I cut in? <laughs> well, actually... Thanks. What's under your hat, Mira? This is ever so slight an improvement. Hold off till you see what's left of your shoes. Uh, you can step on me a little. I'll allow it. I don't know what it was at that moment. Well, yeah, I do know. She had this dress that was pretty much backless and frontless, and I was right up on her ear with her breath on my neck and right... There, I was gonna kiss Vera Grail, and that was gonna be all she wrote. There. If I bite that apple now, my family outside. I... All right. Mr. Integrity. 
Thanks for the dance, Romeo. Yeah, I didn't take the shot. And now I find myself on the same dance floor dripping wet. Vera wanted me to come here, this exact spot. I think I can see it. The Black Rose. Tell me, what is it? You want me to say the stuff that dreams are made of? Because I'm not going to say that. Bring it to me. You can get to the coolest system down the complex in five minutes. What if I don't bring it to you? I'm going to turn the machine on now, and I'm going to leave it on. That'll be the last thing you do. We'll see. Just as he hit the switch, I saw a window across the street. It was flashing with a sick yellow light. That's where they were. Vera! Vera! <clears throat> I squeezed him so hard his earpiece popped out. Oh, red earpiece, same as mine. All right, turn this thing off. Help me get her loose. Hey, mind if I cut in? This is ever so slight an improvement. Nobody move. Right on time, Sager's lawyer, with the usual legal muscle. God, I fucking hated those guys. Bruiser, I have footage of you extracted, by the way, from about a half a million dollars worth of waterlogged cambots, showing you breaking into the main containment vault. Mr. Sager would like to discuss this with you. I hope over drinks, I'm all nerves. Take them to the executive suite. So now I knew what the executive suite looks like. Turns out it's just a jail made out of the same polyglass as our beloved walls. I was starting to feel like that girl down in the lab floating in her fish tank. What the hell was going to happen to her? And why was she bugging my ulcer? Vera Grail comes in wearing a black suit made out of razors or something. I mean, she looked good. She gave the guard one eyebrow and he took a powder. What's under your hat, bruiser? Vera Grail. Why don't you just tell me what you really are? Vera pulls a Sagertech ID out from her bra, slaps it on the glass, right in front of my face. Level nine, access. Vera Grail was a level nine. Vera Grail. She's a lot of things. 
but I never pegged her for level nine. Let's see what's up our sleeve next time. We're talking chapter four, Big Daddy to the Box. Where you been, baby? So far, our boy Bruises had one five-star hell ride. Now check it. The Los Angeles quarantine from becoming the facto federal prison. And I will never allow that That bullet went right through me and killed one of my best engineers. I want that shooter. Why don't you go home, see the wife and kid? Oh, that's right. They're outside the walls. You know the range on this gun. Whatever carrot they're dangling in front of you, it won't be worth what I can do to you. You an opera fan? Straight up, no chaser. You think binary disease is real? I love the people of this city, and I'm- You can't love people you keep under your thumb. Here comes chapter four, Big Daddy to the Box. The last place I wanted to find myself was the company Stockade, what they call the executive suite. A polyglass jail, basically. Same glass as our beloved hothouse walls. Vera Grail was looking in at me in my fishbowl, having just flashed her level nine ID. You should see your face, Bruiser. You really think all I could do was pour drinks? Play a little piano. Let's go. Sager and I want to discuss your future at this company. Bruiser, you obviously met Vera. We've tussled. Why the big secret? I told you, level nines don't advertise. I'd just like to know who I'm working with. You want transparency? You got the wrong company. I also like to know who my friends are. Wrong city. Vera briefed me already on her capture and your uh, actions on her behalf. Any idea who this guy is handing out little red phones? No. Did he say what he was after? Yeah, the Black Rose. Black Rose? He said it was the key out of the hothouse. What specifically the Black Rose is, I don't know. And I don't think he knew. This guy's out of his tree. Even if there was a get-out-of-jail-free card. If you get outside the walls and somebody bumps your elbow on the bus, the binary kills you before you hit the ground. Theoretically. The disease is real, The walls are what's real. They got us in here for some other reason. New topic. What makes you think some saloon-keeping heels gets captured? You got a license to steal from this company. Vera's a valued employee. You didn't know that when you tried to rob me? He did what any man in love would do. Oh, are we kids you or what? You can't play somebody when you're getting played. This is you telling me. This company has a rule about fraternization. I wouldn't fraternize. All right, neutral corners or get a room. Let's talk snipers, as in mine is back. With a twist, he wants money. What, pay me and I won't shoot you? I'm giving you another chance to find him. And Vera's going to be your supervisor on this. Uh, the saloon keep in heels. I want detailed reports via her twice daily. She's gonna the whole time, Vera's looking at me like she doesn't even know me. I couldn't get that image out of my mind. Her on the balcony, bullets slicing off that dress. And her not minding one little bit. Uh, she's looking to throw me under the whole crayon fleet. I don't want you pulling punches, Bruiser. 
somebody gets hurt, that's the cost of doing business. What about the cost of getting undressed by long-range gunfire? That get amortized? What are you talking about? What am I talking about? What's going on? Your level 9 girl here knows the sniper. Biblically, at the least. You want the sniper? Talk to her. I've got a date with my daughter. They let me walk out of the tower, so I guess I was back on the clock. When I get to the car, I see this girl leaning on it, dressed all in black. I recognized her, the daughter of the guy standing behind Sager the day he got shot. I've been to every department and they all give me the same snow job about how sorry they are about my father. Are they even looking for this guy? We're looking. And actually some people are sorry about your father. Hell of a thing. Hell of a thing? I mean standing behind Sager at that exact point in time. If he'd tied his shoe at the right moment, who knows? I want to know what you're doing about finding this guy. Sager's made it a top priority. Sager is injured. My father is dead. Ma'am, a bullet passed... You can hold the man. A bullet passed through the most powerful man in the box before hitting your father. I'm afraid most of the hothouse considers your father collateral damage. Is that what you think? Mm, I'm not paid to think. I just gotta bring the guy in. Oh, you suits are all the same. Just suits, nothing in them. All right, with that I'm a dot. Hey, company man! You used to be a cop. What happened? You get tired of all that protecting and serving? Yeah. My ulcer was on a tear, but I wasn't listening. It was window pane Wednesday, the day I meet Riley on the visitation platform. Her on one side of the glass, me on the other. Still had to use the phones, but at least I could see her. What's wrong, kitten? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, or something big like you missed a free throw? They want me to do a paper on Sager Tech. I looked up a lot of stuff. Yeah? I'm just saying. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit, Dad. Watch the mouth, kiddo. They arrest people? They make them disappear? They also monitor conversations on the visiting platform. Just you seem different since you went from being a cop to whatever uh, you do. Being a cop wasn't the cleanest job in the world, kid. I mean, before the walls, you wore your wedding ring. I never see you wear it now. See, what I could never bring myself to say was... Uh, I dropped my ring down the kitchen sink the last day I was with my family, right before they put up the walls. I should have just told them, but it seemed a little late now. Ring's probably still in that drain, covered in crap. Anyway... Uh, you think I'm turning into a bad guy? Gonna grow a mustache or something? Did I tell you I was building a hug replicator? A hug replicator? I'm working with a designer on a machine. It'll let me hug you from inside the hothouse. Figured you need it. I mean, what the hell was she talking about? My kid was unraveling. Twisting her hair again, now she's making stuff up. Brilliant, right? Hug replicator? Kitten, there's no such thing as a hug replicator. No, you'll see. I've got a designer inside the hot house. You're not making any sense. You won't even be able to tell the difference. It'll be just like you're giving me a hug. <sighs> of course, right then I get a text from my mole inside the Fed. There was no rain check with this guy. I had to move. I want you to tell your mom about what you just told me, okay? What, that's it? Visit over? I gotta meet somebody. Tell your mom. She won't get what I'm saying. 
Next door, Bobby, maybe. Not Bobby. Just... Tell your mom what you told me. I am not making it up, Dad. It's a hug replicator. You'll see. Just be careful walking home, all right? Jesus, Dad. Nice visit. Riley. Riley. Please do not tap on the polyglass partition. Contact in the Fed was high up, so we didn't take any chances. We'd meet in the sewers under the city. Of course, the sewers were sealed off the walls, but there was a broken pipe in the concrete. We talked through it. I didn't even know what this guy looked like. Didn't even know his name. I just called him the pipe. What you got for me, Bruiser? Who called who? Here. I'm pushing a can through. That's 8,000 for the escape fund. Got it. You're interested in a certain sniper. I am. Got his home address. But I need something. Name it. There's a guy on the inside really sticks in my craw. We'd like to track him. Guy runs a microbrew, this and that, but mainly deals in intel. Ex-surfer. Not ringing any bells. You should know this guy. Let me ask around. How long we been doing this? I'm giving you solid intel. From deep in the Fed. Not for I'll nothing. ask around. You start holding out on me. And why am I stretching out my tender neck? I don't know any surfers. Let me ask around. I'll find One time offer. Give me the surfer, and I'll give you the sniper. I don't know any surfers, so end of discussion. Now, I'm gonna ask you something. You're so deep inside. The disease, the binary. We're both fine, but if we touch, death. That's the story. That's the story. We've never seen it happen. It's still the story. Well, I can't swallow it anymore. My ulcer won't swallow Is the disease real? The disease is classified. Yeah. I'll take that as a no. Better take it as classified. Then why are you taking my money for the escape fund? Six figures now. You tell me half a mil and you can get me out of the hothouse. But one touch, I'm dead. I'm saying the disease is classified. Ask me again. Classified. Ad nauseum. If you're just bleeding me with no payoff, I will find what? you. What? You're gonna come get me? You're in there, Bruiser. The only way you're gonna come get me is if I get you out. I'll put this money in your layaway. Keep it coming. I didn't know everything my best friend was into, and I didn't want to know. But he was on a short list of people I could trust, and I didn't want him getting picked up. What's the status, Gladys? The pipe was twisting my arm for an address. That address being you. And you told him what? I played dumb, but he didn't buy it. Cost me the sniper. <sighs> Your ulcer's talking to you, dude. I know. Something's wrong. You better get it checked out. I mean, there's something wrong with my whole situation. Maybe you're playing for the wrong side. I, I don't remember you all doubled over when you were a cop. I got no choice in that. Oh, you have to work for Sagertech. The only thing I got left to give to my daughter is that company check. You also set an example. She doesn't know what I do in here. Man, she knows. You do bad things, you both pay a price. You're walking between two worlds, Bruiser. You're still part cop, you better pick a side. There's no sides, there's just level nine. I make level nine, I could escape. You and me both. You get the ocean, I get my daughter. Level nine? 
You gunning for Vera Grail's parking space? <sighs> Bruiser, they fired her. She cleaned out her desk and did the perp walk. She's out of the. That company. doesn't make any. Oh, goddamn. I'm telling you. Get the ulcer fixed. My ulcer's the only thing that tells me the truth. Well, maybe there's such a thing as too much truth. Kicking Vera out so quickly didn't make sense. Sager's so hot to find the sniper, he should be hanging Vera by her thumbs right now. I got to her place, and Sager's company goons were taking the booze, her contraband, and everything. Vera just kept playing the piano. She was a million miles away. Dali, Louis Paul, get the piano. Sorry, Veer. We gotta take the piano, too. Hey, Bruiser. Come to have a good chuckle. Mm. See what square one looks like. I could have helped you if you'd played straight with me. He's in a pod. When were you ever straight with me? Uh. Sorry, Vera. Uh, you gotta stand up. The bench goes with the piano. Don't forget the bottle. Jeez, Vera. Guy used to bring me lunch at the office. Better tell me where to find that sniper before he starts tying his shoes. I'm not gonna tell you where to find him, Bruiser. Yeah, the smart thing would be to tell you, but I'm not gonna tell you purely because I wanna fuck you up. Look, I need that sniper to get out. Even if you had his address, you wouldn't go with... <laughs> forget it. What were you gonna say? Forget it. I wouldn't go near what? Forget it! I'm not gonna tell you! You just did. He's in Sky Barrio. Get the fuck out of my joint. Not your joint anymore. If you think I'm gonna be shining shoes for long, you got another thing coming. I don't bottom feed, not in my nature. When I get topside, you'll hear about it. You better grow some eyes, because the first one on my to-do list is you! Yeah, see you on the sidewalk. I'll flip you a nickel. Fuck you. Fuck you! Vera just handed me the sniper on a paper plate. There's only one place in the hothouse I won't go near. See, when Sagertech started running the box, they took a big broom and swept up every bad seed into one high-rise. Forty stories of well-armed human waste. I probably put half of them in there. They call it Sky Barrio. No way I'm stepping foot in there. So I set up on the rooftop across the street. I picked up a listening device from the office, bounced a particle beam off windows, and picked up the vibrations inside. Just point and listen. Jesus. Pretty sure I made the right decision not going in there. Then I zeroed in on one window. My cup of tea, but I knew somebody who liked it. Waited for the sniper to come out, and I tailed him through the red light district. He was head to toe black rubber like usual. Followed him to a nightclub. I locked the front door handles with my handcuffs and went in the back way. My captive audience. Everybody against the wall. Go on. No, face me. Not a bust. I just want Rubber Boy here. Yeah, you. You remember me, huh? 
You remember putting my daughter in the crosshairs? I don't know what you're talking about. All right, everybody take off your hoods and masks and shit. I want to see your faces. You, you too, take off your hood. Sorry, Bruiser, can't do it. I want to see your face. Can't take it off. Come here. Don't touch me. Come here. Don't touch me. Come back here. The sniper lost half his rubber suit tearing away from me. By that time, a bouncer grabbed him and they both fell over. The second they touched, blood came out of their mouths, eyes, nose, veins turned black. They bled out right there on the floor. It was over in a second. So my sniper was from outside the walls, and I finally had my answer. Binary disease was real. Now what you've been hearing is just the iTunes preview of Hot House Bruiser. You can hear the entire series, commercial free, with the Hot House Bruiser app. Get it on iTunes or the Android platform. All right, and that was Hot House Bruiser, hothousebruiser.com. That was penned by Joel Metzger, TV writer. Uh, we actually got Joel on the phone to talk about his series, uh, how it came about, his inspirations, um, just the general world of TV writing, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, talked about just uh, all, all sorts of different things about the media landscape out there. Uh, huge pleasure to have Joel Metzger on the phone. All right, and uh, welcome to Radio Drama Revival here. Um, Fred, and we've got on the phone Joel Metzger. Uh, he is the creator of this new audio drama noir pulp story, Hothouse Bruiser. Joel also has uh, a huge resume working in uh, as a TV and screenwriter. Uh, has worked on shows you may have heard of, including The Outer Limits, uh, Xena Warrior Princess, as well as uh, Stephen King's uh, The Dead Zone. He's uh, been around the block. He says that he uh, originally showed up in L.A. from Indiana and is now... Traveled many places across the globe. Um, we've got him now in a studio in L.A. Joel, welcome to Radio Drum Revival. Greg, it's great to be here, Fred. Uh, so, 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 tell us a little bit. Um, you've got a, a pretty intriguing bio up on IMDb. Says that you've traveled to many corners of the globe without having corners. Do you just want to give us a little bit about, uh, you know, in, in brief your your career, and so we can talk about how. Uh, radio enters into it. Yeah, actually, that that line on my bio is a joke. I, I, it says I've traveled <laughs> to every corner of the globe, keeping in mind that the globe has no corners. So I've, I've traveled very, very little. Actually, <laughs> that was my funny way of saying I've I've I haven't done as nearly as much traveling as I would have liked to. Um, but except except in the science fiction realm. Except the science. Yeah, exactly. I've been to a couple planets and I've been on spaceships and things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been off world, but I haven't been around the world. Sure. Cool. Well, yeah. And so I mean, so uh, tell tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know, you've worked on some pretty interesting TV shows. Uh, you know, I've seen some other interviews with you on the web, and you definitely have some some war stories of that. I um, mean, just want to sort of talk about, uh, you know, just in brief, kind of um, how long you've been at it, and and what your career, what you know, what your what your daily life is like now in, in TV and other writing. Yeah, um, yeah, I came out right after college, um, just right after college, and um, worked as an assistant for many years, uh, working for writers as a either a writer's assistant or assistant to executive producer, um, or a script coordinator. Um, and so you're always working with writers. So I didn't have a lot of production set experience. Sometimes the set was nearby. Sometimes it was in Canada or another country. And um, But I was always working closely with 
uh, writers, always wanting to be a writer myself. And, you know, it's it's a pretty tough job working in television. It's just long hours and stuff. So, you know, anytime you have any downtime, you're just scribbling away and, and trying to develop your own craft. And, um, you know, eventually I, I sold uh, a script to The Outer Limits. And uh, then, you know, it's kind of the it's sort of the typical path. You sell one, you hopefully get an agent because you've sold something. And then I was I was sort of pigeonholed in the uh, sci-fi realm. It's a little before sci-fi got to be quite so big. And um, so I was I was working on shows as an assistant and meantime kind of sneaking off and taking meetings and trying to sell scripts at the same time. And then, um, yeah, then I got on Xena and that was full time. That was a staff position. And uh yeah, and so after a while, you, you kind of want to create your own stuff. Um, I mean, I, I love writing other people's shows, but uh, at, at some point you want to tell your own stories. And so uh, Hot House Bruiser was my way of uh, creating a television show without the television, without the massive budget. And I, what I didn't want to do is what I, a lot of my friends and associates have done is just pour a lot of money into something like a short film or a sizzle reel or a teaser and then shopping it around and saying, hey, buy this. You know, this would be great if I just give me a few million and I'll, I'll make it for real. I wanted to finish something. You know, I wanted to have a, a product ready for sale when I'm done because I saw people pour a lot of money and time and energy into something that was kind of a, a, a prototype or, a, or a, a proof of concept. So... Um, that's why I did Hot House Bruiser. It's a really long, full-on series, and um, I just wanted to have it completely done and not have to go around and say, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if I finished this?" And <laughs> just say, "Here, here it is," you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and and just to, to fill in, so listeners um, may not be aware that a lot, you know, a lot of stuff in the TV world, I guess, ends up on the cutting room floor, or maybe it goes to a pilot, maybe there's a script, but obviously, only a, a small selection of the total, uh, you know, probably good story ideas actually make it to reality. You would just touch on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a long process. Uh, they, they, they hear hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pitches, and out of that, they, they pick dozens of scripts to be written, and out of that, they pick a handful to be made into pilots. And out of that, you know, only just a very few series ever get to air. And then out of those, only one or two come back. <laughs> they, get, they get canceled in the first <laughs> season. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it, you almost have to win the lottery like three times in a row. To, uh, to to get a series on the air and then for it to stay on the air, you know, that's up to the audience and they, they tune in enough to, to get it to come back. So, yeah, it's a it's a really uh, Darwinistic process. Yeah. And, and so, and, and you know, you, you mentioned how uh, you adapt uh, Bruiser as an audio drama, obviously, as our, our listeners have heard. Um, but it sounds like it was originally a teleplay uh, in, in the slam dance. Do you want to talk about that? Did you just did it start uh, conceptually for you, at least is still in the TV realm? Absolutely, yeah. It was a it was a spec pilot, what we call a spec pilot, meaning you you write it in hopes of selling it. No one's paying you to write it, um, and uh, so you know, sixty pages, an hour TV show. It got it got great reviews from people. It got me some meetings. It got me a new agent, and uh, then I submitted it. And I never submit the contest because I just I never seemed to never seemed to win. But I think it was. 30 bucks or 50 bucks uh, for the slam dance. I don't know what made me submit to it, but I did. And um, it was chosen um, three finalists. I was one of three chosen out of 500 uh, submissions. And they were totally blind submissions, which, which was great. There was no uh, name on the screen script. There was no agents involved. It was just, I mean, they took the cover page off. You just started reading the script. You have no idea who wrote it. 
And so to be picked out of that pool based on the strength of the writing was real shot in the arm. It really, really made me feel great. Yeah, and and, what, and what's interesting, so e- even with that encouragement, you're still thinking that making your project happen on your own is a better way to make sure that project's going to happen than, say, going through the, the crazy cycle of the TV realm. So you you then decided to, to, to try out audio drama, or um, did you... Well, that, that was, yeah, that was basically it. Uh, you know, I, I had it around, and, and it, like I said, it would get me meetings. People would read it and like it and want to meet with me to see what else I have or, you know. Um, but I didn't have the machinery in place to to really sell it as far as a strong representation team. Um, I had a couple meetings on it, but I, I think it was at the time, I think it might have been a little too weird out there. I mean, who knows what they're looking for? They're looking for something different every year, you know. <laughs> so I was pretty sure it wasn't going to be picked up uh, after a while. And so it was just in my drawer for a while. And I was always trying to think of, and keep in mind, this is a few years ago. So, you know, YouTube uh, was starting to explode. Um, and I was just trying to think of, well, what, what can I do on the web that would be all mine, that would be a finished product that people could actually consume. And I just hit on the idea of doing audio drama because you can do it for such a small budget. And then I started thinking, well, what, what stories do I have that would actually fit that format? And, you know, Hot House seemed to be something that you could really expand into a series. So I, I basically took the pilot and chopped it in half and episode... The first half is episode one. The second half is episode four. And um, I wrote nine episodes, you know, of the series and just fleshed it out because it was a world that had enough characters in it and enough ideas in it that I felt I could stretch it into a series. You know, so let's actually talk about Hot House Bruiser. Now, I I will have given people a sample of it by now, but it's this uh, really, you know, we've heard the the, the, the noir detective on radio before, but you've added this really interesting element. You're calling it equal parts 1984 and Sin City. Uh, We have this quarantined little zone that's um, almost kind of like this Blade Runner feel of just, uh, you know, harsh reality where it's always, if it's not always raining, then there's always at least something bad happening here in the hothouse. Um, And, and just a really, a really nice cast. And I guess, uh, you know, you tell us you obviously had some inspiration by, by noir, you know, pulp type stuff, but want to do something a little bit different. And do you want to just sort of talk about the world and, and, uh, you know, kind of how you got and just in the story part of it? Sure. Um, yeah, it's a big mishmash of all the things that I like, which is film noir and classic film and sci-fi. And uh, I tried to get some brainy ideas in there, things that were that I was thinking about. I guess I think the impetus for it was... A, uh, I had seen a couple of movies on World War II on the Warsaw Ghetto. I think uh, Polanski's uh, Pianist, and also there's a really good one called Europa Europa, and they both had that Warsaw Ghetto in there where you have this city within a city that, that the life inside is completely different than the life outside the walls, and it just thought that, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, you know, walls like the one that's on that they're always talking about putting up on the border of Mexico or in Israel or whatever. And there's just something fascinating to me about you have a, a, a lifestyle on one side of a wall and a completely different lifestyle on another side of the wall. And I just thought it would be a good engine for stories. It's very much in the vein of your classic noir Chandler-esque uh, writing. And what was refreshing was I got to put in every 
little nugget of an idea that wouldn't really support a movie but would be great in a short episode. And every stupid joke that I've never been able to cram into something else, I, I got to go through my whole drawer of, uh, of half-baked ideas and, and put them in and, and use them all up. And that was really, uh, that was really great. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. And so you had um, this original hour-long pilot, but obviously the, the audio series is longer than that. Um, you know, how did you sort of go about figuring out, you know, your format and your length? Now that, you, you know, now that you've gone from like a, a format where you, know, you have a script that's supposed to be an hour long to audio drama where you're kind of making up the rules, how did you sort of figure out what, you know, the scope of, of what you were going to do? It just felt like the the episodes shouldn't be any longer than a half hour. I think people, I guess I was going from podcast advice that you know you should sort of base it on your average commute. Um, I think an hour an hour audio drama might have been too long, um, so I was focusing on the half hour, and uh, I was going to do ten, but um, I, I don't know. I just couldn't come up with that tenth idea that felt strong enough to go with the other nine, and I wanted to finish writing and get going on it. So I just settled on the number nine for episodes. So there's no, you know, no master plan on that. But since I was doing it all myself, I mean everything, uh, I, you know, I couldn't do 22 episodes. That would just be a, you know, a huge undertaking. It was already a huge undertaking. So, and and because I was doing so many other things at the time, I was basically grabbing whatever hours I could to work on it. And I, I realized I couldn't complete it or produce it in the way you normally do television, which would be, you know, you, you get a team of writers and you start writing and then you get halfway through your your writing process and you start producing. And so you're basically churning them out in sequence in, you know, every, whatever your shoot days are, eight eight day shoots or whatever. And the, the writers are, you know, constantly churning it out ahead of the production schedule until they're almost up against it towards the end. I just knew I could never do it in sequence. So I realized what I had to do was write the entire thing up front. Um, and it's 325 pages in length and finish writing it, then cast it, then produce the whole thing. That is, get the get the actors in here and direct it and record it and base it all on their availability. So I'd get a an actor to come in and he would do his part in episode one and four and eight and be done. And I got some really great people because of that, because they only had to come in for two hours and they were in a bunch of episodes. And that's one of the strengths of the format. Yeah. And so you've got some great cast members in here, Tracy Lords, Claudia Christian, who I know has done a bunch of other audio dramas. Um, you get some folks from Starship Enterprise as well as The Next Generation. You've got John Terry from Lost. Um, and it just, you know, really, are these uh, folks that you happen to know just through your, your, you know, did your connection to TV or did you sort of surf around or how did you come up with the folks that you're able to invite in? Well, uh, John Terry was the first one in because he was a friend. And uh, he loved it, and um, so he was he was easy. And then um, Tracy Lords was the keystone because I got her through another writer on Xena, name of Emily Skopov, who's a great great friend of mine. And um, she had directed Tracy in a in a romantic comedy, and she said, you know, Tracy would dig this. I'll, you want me to get it to her? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And um, so she read it. She loved it. It's a really great part for her, the sort of uh, femme fatale. And so she agreed to do it. So once, once somebody with a name kind of jumped in the pool, then that helps. So they all just fell into place. And, look, you know, since then, we've just really – because they all pretty much live in town. So 
um, we've all become friends. I really kept in contact with him. It's great. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, and it's just a lot of fun. I, so, I mean, did, did you tell like the, you know, folks that you were working with still in a professional capacity about this? Did, you know, did people think that you were crazy to go out and do this yes. independent project or? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I got, I got plenty of advice. Not yeah. the best idea in the world, Joel. I don't know. Um, and you know what? Uh, it's not for everybody. It's a real niche thing, the, the format, the audio format. Um, we're just we're living in a visual world, I think. And so a lot of people just they're not going to close their eyes and imagine a world. They're, they're just too used to having the world uh, spoon fed to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's I definitely uh, took a took a winger on this. But I tell you what, that's just the nature of the biz, because everything you do is a gamble. You're going to sit down and write a movie that's going to take you six months. It may never sell. That's a gamble, you know. Am I going to do a lot of research for this meeting that I'm going to win that I may not get the job for? That's a gamble. You you always hope your work and effort is going to pay off, but you never know what's going to pay off or what won't. So, you know, you just you got to go basically where your energy is. You want to do this thing, then go ahead and do it, and hopefully you can sell it. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting. I, mean, I think that's a really telling story for a lot of us independents and maybe aspiring, you know, uh, writers and whatnot. Um, I know that I got into it and several other colleagues because they sort of saw the mainstream, you know, either either literary markets or, you know, entertainment markets is so hard to get into. Why not just go out and do something on your own independently and see what happens? And so it's also so it's was interesting to see someone like yourself who has had the, you know, success being on on TV shows that, you know, people have heard of to to still do this kind of idea and, and have fun with it. That's, I think, pretty inspiring and, and a lot of fun, too. Well, and, and it's really, it's becoming, it's not that unusual anymore at all. You look at a lot of these shows, I'm thinking of Lisa Kudrow, because I heard her on, a, on an interview. She's done how many web series now? She works with a partner and, and you know, hires all her friends and they come on and, and, I think you see a lot of these people doing their own podcasts, doing their own web series, doing their own short form, you know, new media, digital media, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, because the the broadcast model is getting tougher and tougher, you know, and they're making fewer and fewer shows. They're going out of fear. I think they're 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 going to the same people over and over again, and so you have a lot of actors and directors and creative people who are having a harder and harder time working in, uh, you know, what, I, what I'll call the old media. And so I think you see, you'll see a lot of them doing this kind of thing. Say, let's get, toge- let's get together in the barn and put on a show and save the school kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, because you still have all that creative energy, you know, um, and, and, and the desire to, to get something out. And, and, of course, the technology to do it in a much more lightweight way than, you know, it was even possible, say, 10 years ago with, with you know, the distribution mechanisms and just the quality of, of equipment that's available for relatively little money. Absolutely. You, you can do almost anything. It's, it's amazing. I, I do a lot of uh, uh, video as well, and uh, it's amazing what you can get for a very low price. You just, it just comes down to getting, hiring people for the set. You know, the equipment, the camera, everything is, is you, you can edit on your laptop. It's fantastic. But you still got to get actors to, to show up and, you know, craft service. And you still got to take care of your people. So it's still, you still need help doing it. But the, uh, the price of entry is much, much lower than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, now obviously it, while it is possible to do all this, it does not mean that it's easy. And I, and I guess, uh, what, you know, what are some of the things that surprised you the most, you know, versus your role in a writer's capacity to suddenly be in the role of 
the you know head dishwasher and and line yeah. cook making this thing happen. I don't think I even rose to the rank of head dishwasher. <laughs> um, no, you know what? It was it was really an incredible learning curve to me, having gone from directing no one. I mean, I'd never. I'd never really done anything outside of the writer's room. I think in college, you know, we fooled around with cameras, and I did quite a bit of editing uh, in in some really old formats, but I hadn't done really anything but writing, and I still love writing. It's the one thing I do, uh, uh, you know, that I really do well. So it was, to me, the whole learning curve was, now i got to direct actors. i gotta, I got to tell them what I want or when they're off or when they're wrong or when they're, they, they don't get the meaning behind that sentence exactly. They're punching the wrong word, which completely changes it. And so in a really uh, uh, really easy way without a great deal of risk, I went from directing no actors to directing a cast of over 50 people. Mm. Not all at once, of course, but uh, that was a great learning curve because then you start talking their language. I mean, at first I was like a deer in the headlights. I, I, that sounds terrible, but I don't know what to tell them. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then you, you slowly start to say, you know what, let's try this or, or, or think about this next time we do it. And so it was a real um, learning curve to be able to do that, basically working with actors. Because other than that, it was just some technical stuff mm-hmm. uh, with, the, you know, with the microphones. And, and then editing, it was a real learning curve as well, editing audio, because when you're editing video, you have a visual component that you can f- sort of find the footage you need. Mm-hmm. But with audio, you're just looking at, at waveforms, and there's, it's not immediately apparent where you are all the time. And so after it takes a while for your brain to sort of read the code, like in the Matrix, when you just start to see, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. blonde redhead from the little, you know, from the little... Oh, that, uh, must dig- be, that must be a T. That's a duh sound. That's a yeah, exactly. Sound. Well, yeah, it's funny. You do start to read it because when they, like when someone laughs, it has a very, it has a very, uh, you know, uh, it has a signature that mm-hmm. you can see. Yeah, or they start yelling. It's a much different signature than whispering, obviously. So yeah. after a while, yeah, you can you can almost read it like you're reading English. It's, it's kind of interesting. And, and I, yeah, I got to the point where the amazing thing about the medium is that you're able to be so flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if we discussed this, but almost no one, I mean, I have, I have actors in all kinds of intimate situations and mm. arguments and three-way arguments and huge rooms full of people in the story, and none of these people ever actually worked with each other. They're all recorded separately, and I put them together. And so the flexibility of that is is just amazing. I can even go you know, pick up a, a line from episode one and drop it in episode nine mm. because I need Bruiser to say, oh, yeah? And I remember, oh, he said that in episode one, and I'll just transplant it because it's audio. You'll never know I did that. This is an amazing medium. It's really flexible. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, going back to that, um, the flexibility of it allows you to get those actors who probably, you know, to get, in, get all, you said, 50 people in the room at the same time is not, <laughs> it's not an easy Exactly. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I realized early on that you can get amazing people, and, and this goes for visuals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for the video medium too. You can get amazing people if you keep their commitment small. If the script is good and they're not going to just rearrange their year, I mean, they're really only going to show up one day or two days. You know, th- these people, they, they want to act, they, they want to get in there and do something. So if you can keep it so where they, they you can flex, if you can schedule around them, You'd be amazed who you can get. Yeah, fantastic. Well, so I want to talk to you. You had mentioned, you know, you kept these to the the length of a a commute, you know, typical commute about 30 minutes, which I think is a good, you know, format as well. It tends to be 
the bulk of what I see are about 30 minute shows. Um, you are also took an interesting step, I think, in the distribution strategy in that rather than podcasting it or releasing it as like a paid MP3 download, you have actually built your own apps for both Android and iPhone for this, which is, a, as far as I can tell, kind of the principal way that you're um, encouraging the audience to, to, to listen to this. You do, of course, have like the high quality CD option, but it seems that you're really pushing this mobile experience. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because it's uh, slightly unique, I think. Yeah, well, it was our best guess of how to monetize this content. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if you if it's a podcast, obviously it's it's going to be free on iTunes. It has to be free on iTunes, which is the the major platform. Yeah, and we thought, well, yeah, you can also charge for an MP3 download, but then people have to type in their credit card, and you do like a little shopping cart. And we just thought, well, maybe the easiest thing to do is to have an app on the App Store. On, on the iTunes store and the Droid platform. That way, people have already entered their information. They'll download it like they would any other app. So it's an ease of use thing. And then we hit on the idea of um, having it to be a free app and you get nearly half the, uh, I mean, you do, you get half the series for free. And when you get halfway through, you have the option of, of upgrading and, and buying the app to get the rest of the season. So that way, by that time, you know whether it's worth worth it to you or not. You know, Hopefully you're a fan by you get halfway through. Yeah, yeah. If you've gotten that far into it, you're probably into it. Um, yeah, that, that's what we figured. Uh, so, you know, it's the freemium model, as they call it. You know, yeah. you, you, you put out a certain portion for free, and, and those who want more will, will pay a little something. And it's, you know, it's still dirt cheap. It's $3.99 for, for the entire series. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll, I'll mention that for listeners now, again, Hot House Bruiser. You've heard some of it on this show, but um, you can find it as an app on uh, iTunes and Android. Um, and yeah, uh, four bucks to hear the whole thing, and you can hear quite a lot of it for free. Um, but this is definitely uh, one of those shows that's deserving uh, of your support in every capacity. It's just fantastic. Uh, you know, and I, and I should say... You know, you know, I've been doing this show for six, seven years, and it's like, you know, every now and again, you're like, ah, oh, you know, when I can get super excited about a new material, um, it just is, is a really fun thing. And, you know, I've heard plenty of detective stories over the years, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just so fun to hear one where the, the writing is so solid, where you've got the, you know, there's all these really interesting parts of the world, and you've done a very good job sort of thinking through and adding like little bits of subtlety and little bit of details that's, you know, to, to really bring out that story world. It's just, you know, one of the best dramas I've heard um, in the last few years, certainly. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just so fun to come come from, you know, from the independent uh, you know, you, you do it independently and it's, and it's, you know, and it's cool. That's available your, your approach. So I hope that is super successful for you. Yeah. It, well, it was a joy to write. It really was. It's again, it's, it's all me. I didn't yeah. take any notes from anybody. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it, you know, it sounds so terrible to say that pure vision, but it is, you're not getting, you're not getting watered down by your room full of writers, everybody weighing in and the whole time thinking, well, what's the, what's the studio going to buy? What's the network going to buy? Are they going to let us get away with this? You know, just completely unfettered and you just do what you want to your own peril. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's a hundred percent yours. And it's kind of like, I think it was, I think it was Matt Weiner or Mark Cherry. One of one of the one of those big producers were talking about, you know, there's a phrase, that's a two percenter, the only two percent of the audience will ever get that. 
and you know that's what the studios will say to talk you out of a out of an idea. And huh. I mean, my whole thing's two percenters. It's nothing but two percenters. <laughs> it's like you 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 may not get that reference at all. You maybe yeah. you'll get the next one. I don't know. But hey, you get two percent of the internet. It's a pretty big place. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wish I had two percent of the internet. Yeah, no joke. Well, that's fantastic. So and so, is it more fun for you as a writer, or, you know, just as a creator in general, that you actually get to do that? Obviously, it's a lot more work to do this whole thing on your on your own. But on the other hand, there must is there something liberating to be able to finally do that to just have control over the the whole vision of the show? It was totally liberating. I mean, I I, I didn't struggle with this story at all. I, I, I it was so. Uh, of me and from me that it just uh I, I, writing was the easy part i mean it was it was long i mean like i said 325 pages so that's like uh almost like writing three features as far as page length goes and a feature really should take you about six months and i did i did all of it in about a year and that's that's you know having other jobs and gigs um, so, uh, it took a long time cause it was just such a big project, but I never struggled with it. I, I always, I just jumped in this world that I loved and said, oh, I can do this. I can do that. And, um, yeah, it was really liberating. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we, we very much appreciate you reaching out and sending out that email. Um, uh, I really, it's been a huge treat to hear Hothouse Bruiser, um, and I really like actually hearing it on on the on the mobile device. It's kind of how I do most of my listening now, so it was super super convenient, as well as uh, an excellent story, um, you know. And I wish I wish there were sixty episodes, not just nine. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed well, uh, it. you know, if we can sell enough download downloads, uh, be happy to put out another yeah, sixty. So yeah, so folks, Hot House Bruiser, um, just search for it on uh, Google Play, I suppose, and in iTunes. Um, and we'll have links up at RadioDrumRevival.com. Um, and Joel, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Fred. It was great being here. All right. Exclusive here at Radio Drama Revival. That was Joel Metzger, the TV writer. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, HothouseBruiser.com if you want to get a laugh. Uh, check out uh, Joel's cleverly written IMDb profile. <laughs> That's That'll be linked on our website as well. Um, yeah, and check it out on the iTunes store, on the Google Play store. Search for Hothouse Bruiser to find that fantastic production. Um, yeah, and uh, in the meantime, over 200 hours of original audio drama programming at RadioDramaRevival.com. Um, dig through the archives. Find us on iTunes or Stitcher. Search for Radio Drama. Um, keep up with the latest news. We are posting more frequently these days to Facebook. Uh, check out the Facebook page, and uh, less frequently, we're still there on Twitter as well as Google+. Look for Radio Drama Revival, or at Radio Drama Sorry, on Twitter. Um, And uh, if you are so inclined, leave a review, tell your friends, uh, put some money in the change door, whatever uh, drives you to help share this audio love. We are a listener-supported service. You're a listener. See if you can make it happen. It is free to you, and it always will be. But if you can tell your friends, that'll uh, help keep the audio love going. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's a wrap for this week. Radio Drum Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM. It is podcast at RadioDramaRevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.